0: more than a crush, a podcast about love. Each week we pick a theme and share a story about one of the many facets of love. We are your hosts. I'm Marion Bolognese, an artist and designer recording from New York. And I'm Kim Berry, a therapist broadcasting from New Jersey. (sighs) Ah,
1: good morning. Hi. Hi. Good night, please. (laughs) Yeah, fresh cup, of coffee. fresh cup of coffee. Oh my god, I don't, I don't have my mic in front of me. Ugh.
0: What are you doing?
1: I, what was I even doing?
0: You can't start the day like that.
1: Yeah, the mic is on. It's ready. It's reading, excellent. testing, testing.
0: Excellent! Excellent! Excellent!
1: So, Kim, let's get right into it today.
0: Yes, let's dive right in.
1: So, originally, we had this episode planned. We did a beautiful interview with Kendrick, right? Yes. The astrological counselor, Kendrick Greer, a.k.a. Kendrick underscore Cortez underscore astrology on Instagram.
0: To the stars.
1: To the Brooklyn yes. stars. Actually, yes. I think
0: he takes clients from all over.
1: He definitely takes clients from all over. And then, especially now in this new world. And so, we were going to do a whole episode surrounding... Love, and the stars, and astrology, and what was the name of the episode again, Ken? Tonight's episode is called Written in the Stars. Yeah, that's got a ring to it. But, alas, very unfortunately, this week we lost a true star, star of stars, a beacon of light. Queen of or, queens. Uh, love of loves, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The RIP notorious, Ruth. Yes. notorious RBG. And so we scrapped Tristan and his old, which was the plan. And uh, you know, maybe We, we might can revisit. Tell that. Yeah, okay. Just didn't seem so important next to our lady RBG. Who has we wanted to talk a- about her?
0: Yeah, and she has a pretty killer love story herself. She
1: does. She had a beautiful marriage. She said, actually, and we watched, We Kim and I both separately watched RBG. I had watched it before. It was a delight to watch it again. She said that that was the greatest fortune of her life, was marrying her husband, meeting and marrying her husband, which I thought was pretty great because we know she had a long and impressive life with a lot to be very, very proud of. So if above all those incredible feats, she still considered that to be the number one. I think that that says something pretty important, right? It
0: it truly does. So I I don't know if we talked about this in a previous episode, but last year I watched On the Basis of Sex on an airplane ride, Mm -hmm. which I think as we maybe have discussed, you're more likely to cry when you're, because of the super high altitude. And I was like weeping through different portions of uh, that movie. It was great. And I just remember being truly taken back by this look into her personal life and yeah yeah, i mean yes it is it's not a documentary but it's you know based on the real deal it's well done though it's, it's, really very, well done. it's really well done and ruth and marty her dedication and her ability to just oh my gosh hustle and hustle on the behalf of herself her dedication to her family and Marty and to see how they the reciprocation of both of their dedications and their hustle for the sake of the family i found truly beautiful and very noteworthy remarkable given the era inspiring so inspiring
1: i feel talk sp- about like p- packing a punch right to a mm-hmm. tiny little lady she really but not tell her she couldn't do something. Mm-mm. So, so tonight we're going to share a little bit. If you haven't seen, I, most of this is going to truthfully come from on the basis of sex and RBG. And, you know, this.
0: there's some really good articles right now being kind of re-released, so to speak, <laughs> then um, talking about their love on biography, uh, the Hollywood reporter. And uh, what was that third one? But there's some really good pieces about their, their love for each other. We all, certainly. certainly we all need some, some love stories right about now.
1: Yeah, but certainly go, go out and read them and, and watch RBG and uh, Town and Country. That was, Classic. My
0: last, that was my last source. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> um,
1: and on the basis of sex, because they're great to watch. But here is a little bit about Ruth and Marty Ginsburg, who were just a beautiful duo. So they were both born and raised in Brooklyn. Brooklyn! Right? He in 1932 and she in 1935 into Jewish families. Her family, I think uh, at least one of her parents was first generation, or she was first generation on one, mm-hmm. w- from one of her parents. and on her father's um, side. On her father's side, great. And they weren't very well educated. They didn't get to go to college, and I think that they placed a lot of importance on education, and they really wanted her to have something different. Her mother really encouraged her to be independent and to be an independent thinker. Though she definitely wanted her to have a successful and happy marriage, she wanted her to also be able to take care of herself. Mm-hmm. So she instilled that in her. Yeah. And unfortunately, her mother died right before she graduated from high school when she was 17. Must have been so hard for her. I think she had been raised as an only child for some time. She had had a sister that had also passed away, and I don't know when that yeah. was.
0: There was, I mean, her, her life... Has a lot of loss in the beginning, uh, certainly, and but, challenges, and challenges, like tremendous,
1: tremendous hurdles.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Uh. So her friends pop into Rbg for a little bit, and it's pretty cute. They talk about her and how, you know, even though she was so beautiful how she was really a tomboy and she didn't really concern herself with girly things. She was a very deep thinker. They they could never get her to like chit chat or gossip. That was not the thing. But they did call her Kiki. Did you yes. pick up on that? Which I thought yes. was hysterical.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where did that nickname come from? And yeah, I know. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cute. I loved it.
1: Yeah. So off to Cornell she went, and they had this funny little insert about how parents love for their daughters to go to Cornell because just simple math, the odds were in the favor of the women to find find a spouse there.
0: To get their MRS degree. Exactly. Uh, it
1: was like four to one, men to women. And it was a good place to find a husband, and I don't think that Ruth was there for that purpose alone. However, she did meet Marty there. And... She also
0: said at one point that... She never had to repeat a date. Yes.
1: Her freshman year, right?
0: Yeah. She just, you know, she dated around. She wasn't, I mean, she was there to learn, but, you know, she she understood her worth.
1: (laughs) And they met on a blind date, but he cheated on the date. He cheated on the blind date. He had someone point her out to him. And so it wasn't blind for him. He saw her and he... Thought she was cute, for sure. So, anyway, she said that he was the first boy that she ever knew that cared that she had a brain. You know, at that point in time, I think it's important that people realize that wasn't really something that was encouraged. Um, or
0: necessarily valued.
1: Yeah, or valued at all. Or, or, you know, that wasn't what parents were telling their sons to hope for. Go find yourself health. a smart lady. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like people, well, I hope. I, I hope.
0: That's encouraging. Just smart lady people.
1: Yeah. Okay. Seriously. So yeah. So he was always very encouraging. He wasn't threatened by her intellect at all. He loved it, and they were very different as far as personality was concerned. He was the life of the party. He was funny. He always had you know jokes, and she was reserved, sort of listened and didn't necessarily participate. But they worked really well together.
0: Did you hear the anecdote where they were in a shared literature class by this very, like, famous professor whose name escapes me. Marty answered a, a question correctly about Dickens and, like, that no one could answer. And Ruth was like, oh, he's so smart. Oh, I didn't hear that. I yeah. love that. So that they, were, they both were impressed with each other's intellect, which I appreciate. You know Yeah, that's it,
1: wonderful and stimulating. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I mean, even though they were very different, I think they were like a a equal pairing, uh, intellectually, which even for Ruth, who was such a, a bright young woman at the time, perhaps she was having a hard time feeling equally matched herself. I'm
1: sure she was. She's pretty exceptional, I'm sure that it was hard for her to mm-hmm. you know, find find her equal
0: on all sides of the spectrum. But also at the same time something like kinda of like they'll complement each other in the sense that he is very Outgoing and lively, and she's a bit more reserved. Just enough opposites attract, but also enough that it they can probably have some very interesting conversations.
1: Absolutely, I one hundred percent agree with you. Shortly after graduating from Cornell, they did get married on June twenty third, I believe, of nineteen fifty four. They got married. That's and, right, after graduation then. Yeah, immediately after graduation. I thought this was interesting. Apparently, they decided that, that whatever profession they pursued, yes. they were going to pursue it together.
0: Yes, I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, I
1: thought it was very interesting. And so they chose law together, and um, they both went to Harvard Law.
0: Did you did you hear about kind of how they both came to law? No, I didn't hear that. Please tell so, me. So. Um, and this is, I think, leans very heavily into kind of like the, all the other supporting stories we're hearing about Marty, in which um, he loved golf and he couldn't play golf in the afternoons if he was in med school because all the courses were in the afternoon. So that was going to be a big problem. So it made more sense for law. But then also I kind of a, a footnote that it, it didn't really suit Ruth's sensibilities as much. So really, they were both best fit to, to study law together.
1: And that's so interesting. But imagine what would have become if certainly something interesting would have still become if they oh, had chosen sorry. medicine. You know, yeah. these two brains together, these glorious people supporting and each lines other, supporting each other. Yeah, and and just to think, you know, of what two people can do when they really do support one another. Mm-hmm. You know, and
0: champion each other for for their strengths.
1: Right. What a champion he was of mm-hmm. her. You know, incredible. And they both were for each other. Yeah, oh, it's like really, really, really touching. So, yeah, he was incredibly supportive of her. He supported her in becoming a lawyer. You know, at, at that point in time, a woman's work was basically just considered not nearly as important as a man's. And he did not have that thought process. He really believed that her work was as important as his. And he pushed her and encouraged her to achieve as much as she could. And that he was so ahead of his time in that. And it's really, really wonderful to hear about and just when you see them when you see him and the way he looks at her it's just please so they both went to harvard did they say in her class was 500 men to nine women
0: something outrageously insane law-sided. like that
1: right and then in addition to that everybody's trying to make the law review at harvard and i think that i'm not sure if any woman had ever made the harvard law review previously but she made it in her second year So she was reserved
0: for the the creme de la creme. Only the very top performers can can achieve that.
1: Yes, the tippity top. Again, she attributes her success in school to him, to his support.
0: Part of that, too, is how many times, I mean, she took some of those classes twice, once for Marty and once for herself when he became ill.
1: Yeah, that's what I was just going to get to. And then never mind the oh, fact that they No, 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 please jump in. It's like we're doing this together. Um, <laughs> she had no this is, this is our show. Um, she, they had so a 14-month-old, okay? <laughs> yeah, at this point. They had a child. So they're both in law school at Harvard, right? And they mm-hmm. have a 14-month-old. Like I have two 12-month-olds right now. Like I can't even imagine if both me and my husband were in law school trying to grind right now doing, doing away from this. everyone's family yeah it, well very she didn't independent even have any family right right well,
0: her father i think her, her father is still in brooklyn
1: yeah <sighs> anyway uh, she says her daughter and having her daughter actually really helped her with school because you know they had child care for a certain point in time and then when she got home before the baby went to bed she would stop everything and have that time to play with her daughter which is mm-hmm. very nice also and that's break from everything kept her sane it and
0: rejuvenated her
1: yes and rejuvenated her which it, it is
0: a wonderful thing even more impressive for anyone yeah. who spends time with a small child <laughs> Yeah, not always what someone would qualify as rejuvenating which which I think it's really speaks to her <laughs> ability to be present and like just like let's focus on the joyfulness in this moment because I think a lot of people would be at their wit's ends. I could see that story being framed very differently and not so.
1: If you just think about her though, and, you know, they talk about how she burned the candle on both ends and really, Mm -hmm. you know, she was working all night long. She barely ever slept. If she was always thinking just like really, really, you know, she was such a critical thinker thinking about everything, really trying to process these cases, these intense cases, and really challenging cases, having a moment where you just have to stop and, get on to a child's level, it could be really beneficial, you know, mm-hmm. just get yeah. out of your head for a minute. But yes, as Kim mentioned, in her husband's third year of college, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer and underwent treatment. He had two operations and underwent radiation. And during that time, he could not keep up with his schoolwork in the same way that he had previously. And she had to do his schoolwork for him.
0: She went to, attended his classes, took notes, and then came back, wrote the papers. He would dictate to her yeah. what the paper said, and she would type them all up. And she would also go to her classes and do that as well.
1: And they're both doing really well in school, yeah. you know? And they both graduate on time. You win. You win. <laughs> you win mom and wife of the year in uh, 1956. Well, <laughs> Officially giving the title. Yeah
0: yes yeah, certainly <laughs> certainly and i think what's interesting is there's some opportunities i think to have thrown in the towel one of the things that's quite apparent early on is how determined ruth is because again, she's about to start law school and she's, you know, has a small child, you know, is this a good idea? Do I do this? Do I not do this?
1: Oh yeah. A lot of women didn't. A lot of women would have dropped out.
0: Yeah. Like I'm in school now. My husband's incredibly ill. There wasn't a very strong survival rate for him at that time. And she could have said, you know what? I can't go to school. I have to take care of my husband. But it, from some of the, the articles I read, her attitude shifted and said, no, more now than ever, I must finish because in case something happens to Marty, I have to be able to um, provide for myself and my family. Right. And Marty was not saying, no, you must stop and help me or raise the family. Even outside of their nuclear family they were creating, they had a lot of support and a lot of no excuses attitudes. I don't know if you had had read the quote or remember it, from but they might have also been in RBG that Marty's father had kind of said to Ruth, because Ruth was kind of hemming and hawing about whether or not she actually should have started Harvard. And he said, you know what? If you don't want to go, everyone would understand. Yes, I do remember that, yeah. Um, But if you really do want to go to law school, more or less, he's like, you have to suck it up and you will find a way to do it. It sounds a little harsh, but that's that he's giving her the support, saying like, listen, lady, you can do this. There's no reason to not do this. I'm not telling you... Your places at home with the child or the you know, children. I guess there's just just the one daughter at the time, right, Jane? So yeah. you know he he was saying, "Listen, you want to do this? Go do it." Everyone believed in her, which was amazing. And that, that was that was what 1955 at that point because that was before yeah. they started. So to be that determined all through the graduate program and to be supportive of her family through that process and be able for both of them to graduate during her
1: husband's illness. Like, I don't know if I could focus on anything. I mean, maybe that helped, maybe that helped all of them, you know, Mm -hmm. to be able to get through it, but not Um, an easy
0: task regardless.
1: No, lucky for her, lucky for him and lucky for all of us too, Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: you know, who knows what would have become with her if she didn't have him to champion her always. He came through his illness and he recovered and came to a full remission. So Wonderful. Thank Thank you, you. his doctors. Yes, thank you. Thank you, everybody involved in keeping him alive. Yeah. But unfortunately, when they graduated, and and, and they did graduate, no one would hire Ruth. She went on to try and get employed at several different law offices. And she had, you know, done extremely well in school, and had a good reputation. But they didn't want to hire women at all. At this point in time, they did not really see just the value in it at all this one is a liability a a liability and a distraction and you have to keep Mm -hmm. in mind that this is a time when it was completely fine to fire a woman because she was pregnant there was just an an incredible amount of discrimination against women husbands had to co-sign for women's loans raping your wife wasn't even prosecutable in like Um, 12 states i think yeah Exactly. So because she wasn't hireable, she went and became a professor at Rutgers. Woo woo! New Jersey! Yeah. And (laughs) she started teaching gender and law. And she started to take on the sex discrimination cases that she's so famous for now. You know, that's really interesting. I, and I love how, I can't remember, was it, uh, it's, we- it's Weinberger versus Weisenfeld, which is the case where, is that, I believe that's the case where it was the, the husband, father? yeah, the father whose wife passed away and he wasn't eligible to receive her social security because that was considered a woman's Payout. benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so smart to take on a male yeah. sex discrimination case. to, and really d- prove and her to point. show
0: how that like, toxic masculinity that goes both ways it's not just a matter of helping out women it's you know when we have equal rights when there is that equity in the laws it benefits everyone
1: and you know she had really a tremendous amount of success within sex discrimination and won a lot of cases and changed the way women were treated in this country forever and every woman out there and family out there <laughs> um owes her a debt of gratitude. And please go and find out if you don't know. Mm. But still we're focusing today on The Love. The, the love. love story. The love story even Which though, is related you know,
0: to her legal career as well.
1: Absolutely.
0: You just have to hold your horses for like two more minutes.
1: Right. <laughs> um so yeah, in in nineteen eighty, uh Jimmy Carter nominated Ruth for the Court of Appeals. And at this point in time she had to move to Washington. And Marty quit his job and he moved with her to D.C.
0: And, it, you know, he had said, you know, she had always really supported me in my job. And now it was my turn to kind of take a backseat a little bit and support her in her job important to make note too how incredibly successful Marty that's was. what I was I just think.
1: gonna say he it wasn't he was he was a powerhouse he was considered one of yeah. the best tax attorneys in New the York field. City I think yeah yeah oh probably all over
0: right but certainly yeah. I remember seeing it like New York City they're like I, one of his clients was uh Ross Perot, Ross Perot
1: yeah in high profile cases he was doing big he money
0: was,
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> seriously right yeah he was very 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 successful but I think that he felt what she was doing was more important mm-hmm. for the country. And, and they talk about that, actually, that in earlier years, when he was going after a partner at his law firm, she kept house and she did the cooking and, and sort of, you know, what was then considered, like, the woman's work, you know? Mm-hmm. But when she really started to go after these sex discrimination cases, he was like you know, this is really important, what you're doing, and I want to support you. Maybe also driven slightly by her famous, uh, famously not so spectacular culinary Well, I was going to say, she, she was in the
0: house with the kids, but she was not cooking because Marty, yeah, Marty was well, cooking. Well, they said that
1: she was at first, but it wasn't Ugh. great, and she had to be banished from the kitchen. So maybe there was some some other motivation involved in that. But her daughter
0: said she had not she didn't eat a live vegetable till she was 12, which I thought was a hilarious, yeah. <laughs> a live vegetable. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's awful. Yeah. I, I that, could like smell the canned green beans from here. And I wanted to bomb.
1: That was a thing of the time, though. Yeah. Also, know. you know, canned things were very popular at that time. Packaged things.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's still gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so he had no problem sort of playing second fiddle to his wife. He loved her, they loved each other, and he wanted to support her in any way he could. And if that meant that he was going to take on a more untraditional role and be the primary caregiver to the family and, you know, do all the cooking and take care of the house, then he was going to do it. No problem.
0: Was he still practicing down in D.C. or just unless so or not at all?
1: Well, he went on to um, to teach he taught at many schools and was a tenured professor i can't i think i think that he ends up teaching at columbia i can't remember exactly where but he did go on to teach but i think he was still practicing law for sure during this period of time i just don't think that he was you know working around the clock Mm -hmm. like she was
0: right maintaining the thriving practice he once had
1: they have some very cute anecdotes they go back and forth and he has a lot of jokes like he definitely was a character and Mm. loved to crack a joke on his own at his own expense really or tease her the looks he gives her when he like pokes at her are hysterical they talk about if they're if they give each other advice at all and he said that they made a rule that she wouldn't give him any advice about cooking so long as he didn't give her any advice about the law. But I don't believe that that was true at all. I think that they were just having fun with that. I think that they spoke a lot about legal matters and consulted one another.
0: And I agree. You don't choose to go into the same career as your husband by choice and then swear off discussing <laughs> it yeah. around, you know, the dinner table or, you know, wherever.
1: And apparently he would come and collect her from the office, you know, when she was, Just working too late and drag her home for dinner and put his foot down and say, That's enough. It's time for you to go to dinner and it's time for you to go to sleep too. Mm -hmm. Enough work. So, thank you, Marty Ginsburg. Super appreciative of you. Thank you for supporting your wife and women everywhere. I -hmm. think that, you know, right now there's so much criticism of men in general with the Me Too movement, and a lot of it is deserved for sure, and things need to change, but it's important to shout out that there are really, really good men out there as well. And
0: allow them to model, model the appropriate <laughs> loving dynamics for, yeah, for this, everybody to see.
1: Well, this was a good man. You
0: know, one of my favorite stories. And I think, I don't, I apologize if I'm jumping the gun and you're about to share it. You know, after she was the DC district courts, when they moved down to DC and her career was doing really well, when Clinton was in office he had the opportunity to appoint an, a new Supreme Court judge. Ruth was on the list, but I guess very deep. It was a very long list and it was very deep. And Marty, that's when he kind of pulled all the, the, the names that he knew, including Ross Perot. That's how I knew that he had. Yeah, he, he
1: got all of his contacts his together, contacts. everybody that he had worked with and all the powerful people that he and knew, and he solicited. shouted it from the root, rooftops. Yeah. yeah. My wife needs that position.
0: Right. And they said time and time again that Ruth had so many strengths and so many skill sets, but she was not one to like toot her own horn. So Marty did it for her.
1: Yeah, they have that right here. Marty tooted Ruth's horn for her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was my next
1: bit. We're on the same page. Yes.
0: Which is great. I mean, you think about it, too. If you're going to support your partner. And that's, I love that uh, Ruth frequently referred to him as her partner. I I think that's very apt and appropriate and what we should all strive for a partner. You know, if you're going to really support your partner, you're going to you support them to the top.
1: Absolutely. He knew what she was capable of. And, you know, he was her biggest advocate and and the two of them work together, you know, this is, he writes a letter to her and in the letter, he says, Dear Ruth, I have little doubt you are proud, and rightly so, of all that you have achieved as a judge and as a spouse and a parent as well. But I can see no way that you can take greater pride than I do. He loved her, and he was proud of her, and he wanted to see what she could do, and made it happen. They worked together.
0: That's beautiful. And
1: and so she was nominated, as we all know. Clinton interviewed her, but he said within the first 15 minutes, he knew that he was going to name her, and then she was voted in 96 to 3, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, RBG really does do a nice little spotlight on the two of them and, um, you know, the footage of them, as I've said, multiple, multiple times already. It's pretty great. And they talk about how I can't remember what she was being honored for, but they walk into a room, and Marty's saying this, you know, that they walked into a room and and everybody stood up. I think she got, like, a standing ovation when they walked in together. He said that Ruth was beaming and I beamed too. And I leaned over and I whispered to her and said, I bet you didn't realize there was a convention of tax lawyers in town.
2: (laughs) And, you
1: know, they're just like so funny and have such a good relationship. And she's just like, gives them a little shove and just kind of remains composed because that is, you know, her composure. I love the way that she says, you know, that there, you should never get angry. And she never did. Because you're not going to make it, you know, you're not going to be able to make the same impact if you lose your temper that you can if you stay calm and relaxed and confident and continue to make your case, mm-hmm. right?
0: Well, that was a big piece that was what her mother had shared with her, right? The two the two pieces, like yes. be independent and be a lady. And being a lady meant that you stay composed um, and... You know, I think especially, you know, I have nothing against the therapist and me says there's nothing wrong with being angry, but I right. think what happens frequently, especially for women, and especially during those, you know, the times that we're speaking, I mean, even still now, you know, it's the kind of double edged sword, a woman's angry, she's a bitch, she's shrill, etc. Here, Ruth understood the value of her being heard and the importance of her being heard And when she was going to deliver that message with a level tone and a calm demeanor that she was going to be heard, she's going to be able to make her point and it would be that much more powerful. And to be able to kind of control her emotions in a public arena, as she has done, is truly a feat because there's clearly so much passion and devotion behind the work that she has done. Yes. So I'm
1: going to close my part of the story of Ruth and Marty Ginsburg with this letter that he wrote to her from his deathbed. And he wrote, my dearest Ruth, you are the only person I have loved in my life, setting aside our parents and kids and their kids. What a treat it has been to watch you progress to the very top of the legal world. I have admired you and loved you almost since the day we first met at Cornell some 56 years ago. The time has come for me to take leave of life because the loss of quality now simply overwhelms. I hope you will support where I come out, but I understand you may not. I will not love you a drop less. I just thought it was incredible. I love him and yeah. I love her. And I hope that they're together now.
0: Yes. Yeah, same.
1: Yeah. And she deserves a rest, even though you don't know what we'll do without her.
0: Well, she's left a beautiful, powerful legacy behind, and I think, if anything, we hopefully will be inspired to continue moving forward with that. A minimum maintaining it, if not enhancing. Um, and we are going to vote. That's what yes. we're going to do.
1: We're going to vote. Let's vote, everybody. So our next segment, I hope it doesn't feel too incongruent. And uh, we love Kendrick very much. And this was recorded earlier on before the events of this last week enjoy nonetheless so this was a little levity for us all because Kendrick is very fun
0: yeah and and we can hear about some more stars maybe not legal stars um, but the stars of the sky and how they may or may not influence your love life and you know I think at minimum there are some there's some parallels around I mean it's a very different kind of work uh, being an astrological counselor, as, uh, as Kendrick is. But nonetheless, there's a lot of passion and devotion to the work that he does and the way that he cares about the people he works with. And I think ultimately when we started this interview series, we, were, we really wanted to, to draw parallels between how people can do all different kinds of work and have all these different focuses uh, in their lives that does have that dedication, does have that passion, and, and has that love for the work and for humanity. So it looks like yes. very different things, but there, it's the, there's some some common threads.
1: And he'll also give us a little bit of advice as to how we should, you know, plan to get through this time ahead. Yeah. So without further ado, the incredibly talented astrological counselor, Kendrick Greer a.k.a. Kendrick Cortez Astrology, if you want to find him on
0: Instagram and get a reading, which you absolutely should do. You know what, Kendrick? So I apologize. Usually when we schedule these, we are doing them via email. I send you the questions ahead of time, and I ask you to tell me how you want to be introduced.
2: Well, I am an astrologer. Uh, sometimes I use the term astrological counselor because usually when I do readings, it goes far beyond astrology. And I just end up being more like a, I don't know, like a psychotherapist sometimes. Oh. But, um, yeah, <laughs> but, I'm, but technically, I'm an astrologer. Okay. That's my... Story. Okay.
1: And he's a genius. Everybody that has had his counsel, all 100%
2: agree. Well, I really need that. And I will say, during COVID, my numbers have dramatically heightened. So I'm doing multiple readings every week. And it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It helps me too sometimes. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So I, yeah. I started having an interest in astrology around the age of 16, 17. Like most people, I would read horoscopes and uh, YM and Cosmo, Cosmo and all that. And I was curious. I was like, how do they do this shit? What is this about? So I just started researching. So being the 16-year-old, I researched my ass off everything about astrology. I found out how it works, where it comes from, the history, how people do what they do. And then after years of that, uh, it was time for graduation. So I went to Ole Miss. I graduated. I mean, I majored in art and journalism. So uh, the paper that I was working for my freshman year didn't have a horoscope section. So with my knowledge at the time, which was still very little, not very little, but it was like, you know, a little, but enough to uh, where I I contacted the editor and I was, Hey, I feel like I want to write horoscopes for this paper. And she had a meeting with me and I wrote for that paper for about four years. So um, after writing horoscopes for years, I decided to give readings a try. So most of my knowledge of astrology came from experience of giving readings for many years. And, uh, and technically like, it's such a complex and layered like art or science or whatever. It's a mixture of all those that I'm still learning. I'm still learning to this day, but I've been able to exercise my intuition and I, I, I never liked the word psychic And I, because I, I, my style is very non-fru-fru. It is non, uh, it's not overly serious. I like for my clients to feel like they're talking to a friend, you know, just a normal conversation. And I'm giving back information and giving advice in a way that feels warm and even funny sometimes. I like to keep it light, but of course life is not light all the time. Mm. So I do get those serious readings where it affects me. And like, you know, we cry together, we laugh together. I, my, my tagline quotations on either side of that. It's like, you know, I want you to feel like you're speaking with a friend. And I think that helps. And um, I, I like my style. And like I said, it it's not even just a, a reading after a while, it just becomes like, It's it's like a like you're talking really like you're talking to a friend mixed with like therapy mixed with astrology mixed with just me listening. I think like you know like 60% of what I do is just really listening. It's it's really it's really interesting. I have a good ear. I've trained my myself to have a good ear, and it's naturally there too. I will say this year has been more active in a long time than um, than ever. When people come to you, are they asking to
0: find something or are they kind of just, because I'm curious with it being COVID and there's so much uncertainty if people are coming to to find out something or is it just
2: what? Well, speaking from my astrological side and my astrology side, this year has been a crazy year astrologically and just, I mean, astrology is basically just life and it's just a reflection of like what's going on up there and how it affects down here. And what's going on up there is so tangled and so crazy. We have three planets in retrograde still right now, and it's all in cancer. And so a lot of cancer people are going through it hard. Well, hell, we're all going through it hard. But Mm -hmm. And then we had that full moon in Aquarius this last week or this week. And like, you know, uh, everything is heightened with that. But to answer your question, people contact me because they usually feel a sense of, Things just aren't going smoothly and they're reaching out and they want to uh, have a sense of basically when you break it down, they just want to know everything is going to be okay. And sometimes it's not going to be okay. For instance, the clients that I had this week, actually all three, my last three clients were cancers. And that's not surprising because those people have so much going on right now. So- I let them know the truth. And I'm always, I believe in honesty, whether it's good or bad. And I let them know, you know, right now things are still fucked and things are still crazy. And it's really not going to lift, a, it'll lift a little bit as we get close to the fall. So it's, it's kind of like that. So they really want to reach out and make sure that things are going to be okay. And not, it's not always going to be okay right away. Usually 99% of the times, It's all going to be okay. It just takes time, you know? And it takes a little bit of effort, too. You can't just sit back and just, like, you got to do stuff. Like, life is basically astrology. And in astrology, even though this is going on, you can't just sit back and just let the universe handle it. You're always your own navigator. So you have to put forth effort. Astrology is like a map. It's like a paper map. You have this map, and you can choose which way you want to go, to your destination. Astrology is that map that lays out the different ways. You choose it. You choose which way you want to go. And it just lays down a little bit of a foundation to kind of help you. It guides you a little bit. But you have to put forth effort to use it and and make it work. Also, this sounds a little bit cliche, but everything is good and bad. That's basically what astrology Mm -hmm. is, too. It's good and bad. And it's about how you use it and how you use the strength that life and whatever biology or appearance or whatever, or yourself gives you and make the world better and to make yourself better. And it's how you can take those bad traits and control them and, uh, and, 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 uh, and handle them on your own terms. So that's how it goes.
1: You know, you said you don't like to, to call yourself a psychic. And, uh, and I totally understand that. I think that part of what separates you from other people that I've, met who do similar things is what you were saying you know it's a little bit therapist it's a little bit intuition but most of yeah. all it's listening and taking the time to understand the person that you're talking to and not just giving a sort of generic interpretation of what's yeah. happening astrologically instead it's more you very quickly can get an understanding of the person that you're talking to and how and and very quickly personalize like even when i was speaking to eric today And I don't know if you know this, Kim, but Eric and Kendrick have the same birthday. Oh, yeah. And, um, and Eric was saying, and, you know, Eric's not particularly, you know, he doesn't talk to me very often about, he's not really (laughs) usually focused on um, what's going on with his sign or, you know, what's going Uh on with the stars. But he said that, you know, Kendrick frequently nails it. You know, he's like, I don't know if it's because we have the same birthday or what it is, but he's told (laughs) me some really (laughs) insightful stuff before and it's, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's interesting and sometimes startling, you know, and I've had Mm -hmm. the same experiences and I just know a lot of people who have had similar experiences with Kendrick. So I was really excited when he agreed to be interviewed by us and to be on our show. And I hope that I'm, and that we're going to be able to convince him to do a monthly um, segment with us if we can. That's what my hope is. I'm
2: putting that out into the universe. Yeah.
1: Putting it (laughs) into the universe as well. I like to do that. I like to put it out there. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I love that energy. And like I really am considering, because you know how I look at things? Um, if the universe provides me a door, I'm really going to, I'm going to try to, I'm going to give it a try. Right. And that's why. I, so immediately when I got your text, I was immediately like invested. I was like, oh yeah, this sounds great. And Marianne, you're involved. So I was like, of course, why not? This is, this is sure. awesome. <laughs> I'm totally like, you don't know what this means, se- maybe you do, I don't know, but I'm totally in my fifth house right now, mm-hmm. and it deals with I don't all- know what that means. Okay, so fifth house is all about it's about um, first about love, it's about love, it's about relationships, it's about creativity, it's about media, it's about television, podcasts, internet, all that. That's all fifth house. So I was like, Hell oh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> what's funny is you two were the first to reach out, but shortly after, I had some more people. Reach out. So I'm doing like a radio thing in like September. Amazing. And I'm like wow. This um television thing and on Long Island again. So I was like, Yeah, I'm totally in my fifth house. Especially that is connected to love and relationships. That's totally hitting it. So I was yeah. like, Yeah, let's let's do it.
0: Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean just if, if we were both in the fifth house too then, Marion, as we were like plotting and planning to make this how how long how long do, I mean the Clear. I think I'm going to speak to my like uh, growth area. I'm not super familiar with astrology. How long do people do signs? Do stars stay in a in a house? Okay.
2: Very good question. First of all, it depends on the planet. So I'll break it down Got for it. you. The moon lasts for two and a half days. So whenever if the moon is in a particular sign, it's going to last around two and a half days. If it's a full moon, that energy will last for like a week. So that, so we still are experiencing that Aquarius full moon energy right now, even though it has moved on to like Pisces or even Aries at this point. But, um, and then the sun lasts obviously 30 days-ish. And then uh, as the planets get bigger, it lasts longer. So Mars lasts like around a month and a half or two. Venus around a month. Mercury around uh, three weeks to four weeks and so far. So each planet is different. But in terms of sun sign astrology, it lasts every like 30 days-esque. So okay. we're, we're currently in Leo. The sun is currently in Leo. So around August 23rd, it moves over to, and it moves to your first house, right, Marion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, you, are you, what, September 4th? What are you? September 1st. Okay, 1st, okay. So yeah, so now, right now you're currently in your 12th house. Now, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, it just comes naturally. I'm gonna spill it. Please so, spill well, it. Yeah, so you're in 12th house energy right now. And that's the end of your astrological year. So everything from this particular year is riding on your shoulders. So it's a little bit hard. Yeah, know, it, sure. deals with, it deals with scheduling changes. It deals with moodiness. It deals with like uh, overthinking. It deals with a little bit of sadness. It deals with, uh, but thinking about it, it deals with a spirituality that is positive. So, and it's feeling, it's dealing with working with the yourself inside and outwardly and making yourself a better person, and being of use and helpful. It's a helpful house, too. So.
1: Well, that's good. Kim's laughing only because she knows I have been going through it lately, not because she's laughing at me. No, no. no, I was, I was like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's
0: like, <laughs> curf- no, no, no. I'm just like, hitting the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah.
2: So <laughs> that's, I, that was, that's some of the things to deal with. Deals yeah. with. But, uh, yeah. so yeah, so to answer how long a sign stays in a particular planet, it depends on the planet.
1: Yeah, Uh, my my daughters also are September 2nd.
2: Isn't that amazing? They almost, y'all almost were all the same. Yeah, I know. I was in labor on my birthday, on Labor Day. Oh, Lord. But you know what's (laughs) funny? You guys are still the same type of Virgo. Right. um, But depending on the moon sign and rising sign, you you guys can still be very different. But the core of who you are is going to be very similar. And it's great to have that. They have little Virgo eyes, too. I love your little eyes. Thank you. I'm pretty
1: I'm pretty psyched about it. I think it's okay. I'm I'm of
2: course I'm good of with course. it. Of course. And Kim, when is your birthday? March first. Oh look at that. You guys are opposites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but opposite <laughs> astrology is a very great compatibility. And it's uh, I like to put it that you guys are going to the same place but just taking different routes. So yes. it's very similar because both of you guys are very heady, very cerebral, very smart. The worry factor can come about the um the the side that uh, edits and correct things. Both of you have that as well, so I like that. And yeah, you you guys a little Pisces Virgo thing there going on.
0: Yep, <laughs>
2: I love it. And I love Pisces women because you guys are sensitive, but every Pisces woman I know is just so tough. And I think you guys have to be tough because you do have that sensitivity factor and you have to protect yourself and you have to let people know you're not taking shit. I love it. <laughs> my, mom, my mom is a Pisces and my best friend is a Pisces. So I know.
1: My mother and my mother-in-law are Pisces four days apart.
2: I always have this joke. I said, everyone has a Pisces mom or a Pisces. <laughs> esque mom. It's like so fun. They make they make great parents. They really do. Excellent.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um so yeah that's
0: I mean that's so so interesting always for I I have a question for you about astrology. A while ago they talked about changing the dates of when (laughs) did that stick and how did you feel about that?
2: Okay, so that this comes up like a million times a year. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I don't mind it. Okay, this is the power of the internet and the power of social media because that was done by a journalist who knew nothing about astrology. They wrote it in a way that really connected with the masses. From It was like the wrong information in the way they presented it. What they were saying was correct, but in terms of it changing astrology, didn't. I mean, of course- Things do change after many, 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 many years, but it's still not that powerful. So if you're a Pisces, you're still a fucking Pisces. Nothing shifted. If you're a Virgo, you're still a fucking Virgo. Uh, Based off, um, you know, Western astrology, that's how it works. So it hasn't, it does not change. If you research that particular story, it was done by someone who knew nothing about astrology. Mm. What they were doing, though, they were mixing, although astronomy is very connected to astrology they're totally different and it doesn't work the same like even when pluto they said it wasn't a planet anymore in astrology it's still a fucking planet and it still works that way so just like in astrology also earth isn't used so we don't use earth and also in astrology we consider the sun and the moon as planets even though scientifically they're not but in astrology that's how we it. so it th- to answer your question it hadn't it didn't change astrology
1: is that because okay. even though they're not planets they're forces of energy and like exactly. heavenly bodies yeah i exactly. say celestial exactly. beings create like
2: yeah
0: forces yeah so
2: exactly so we used to term planets for all of them uh and they still affect us the same way and nothing changed you're still a pisces and you're still a virgo and i'm still an aries so
1: excellent I think you kind of you kind of answered our question of how you came to be in this work, right? That's yeah, what, that's how I we did. Well, it.
2: I can I can give you another little one. Like, okay, so I was curious about it um, when I was around seventeen. So I took like two years to do a lot of research, teach myself things. But then uh, I don't know if you know this, Marion, but I you know the scar on my arm, and then I have a scar on my back. So when I was nineteen, I was involved in a, a major car accident where I was I in a coma Yeah, I was in a coma for a week and I lost oh three goodness. of my I lost three of my best friends in that car accident. Oh my
1: god. So I
2: went through a lot when I was nineteen. And then after I came out of that coma, that's when the kind of weird astrology psychic stuff. My mom told me I don't remember this, but my mom told me when I woke from my coma there was a nurse there. And I said, I said, it's your birthday, August 21st. And she's like, yes. How do you know that? And uh, (laughs) I was like, really? And so I think that head injury kind of like boosted something within me. Like, even though I had the astrology curiosity and I had already started to research everything, I think after that accident, it really took off. And I started using a different part of myself and I don't know. I think that did change me a little bit. Yeah.
1: That's so
2: interesting. It is. It is. Yeah. so. And if you get Powerful me drunk experience. enough, if you get me drunk enough, I go beyond astrology. It just goes to like me telling you your birthday, me telling you that you do this particular thing with your life. So it scares me sometimes when when I get to that point. Right. I think a lot of it comes from exercising that muscle and then also just, I know that it is a part of me and sometimes I'll get lazy or sometimes I'll fight it, but it still always comes back up. Always. So I, I've accepted it now. I, I've finally accepted it. I know it's part of who I am. I, I am that
1: so it's a very strong intuition and understanding.
2: That you can yes. you, and, can, and, and you I, can accept for sure, right? I have to Here's accept it. And that just recently just happened. I mean I've always kind of fought it a little bit, but I know now that's who I am. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really who I am and I know it has a little bit it has a connection with people too and it does a lot it's, it's it feels almost humanitarian sometimes I just have this connection with people and I want to help people and I know it's like a a weird type of craft or whatever but it is who I am and you know sometimes I have to defend it uh sometimes I do don't defend it because I'm like it is just what I know and I don't need to try to you know it's almost like religion in a way and I'm like the least religious person in the world even though I grew up very religious and that's another story we can talk about this later but like my family's Pentecostal southern Pentecostal but you know what they're very supportive and my mom will go to church and she will talk about her astrology and her astrologer sign and the sisters in the church will be like what the hell are you talking about you know, this is satanic. This is not. And my mom would like, say, wrong. You're wrong. Like, you know, the three, wise, the three wise men were astrologers. And this is, and she would, I love this. She would say, you know, the stars and everything up there is created by God. It's more godly than anything. So you need to talk what you know. And she would defend. And I love it. But yeah, my family's very religious. And, but when I was 13, I asked to leave the church and they said, yeah, if you really believe it or you want to, I said, I do. I don't like it. And I was able to. But I brought that up because sometimes, you know, astrology can can feel like that. And I absolutely hate when people say, you believe in astrology. I'm like, bitch, I don't believe in anything but myself. It's what I know. It's not a belief system. I know astrology. It's a difference.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like you had love and support from your family, even if your beliefs didn't necessarily unify at that time and that your mom has come to have an understanding and a love for what you do and support which is wonderful. Exactly. Yes. Do you have a favorite love story that you want to share with us?
2: I don't know about a favorite, but I'm going to tell you what came to my mind when she asked me that question. OK. OK, you ready? <laughs> yes. I'm going to, first thing that came to my mind is the story of uh, Piper and what's her name from Orange is the New Black. I love their love story. I, I like because it was complex, complicated, you know, she was with a man at first, and then she got, like, you know, she was weak in a way, and away, um, and what's her name, pulled her in, and, you know, they went on this debaucherous adventure and got in trouble, then met back up in prison, and then had their love life. In cri- I, I just love that love story. And then at the end, it didn't work out all the way. I don't know. It's just something about that love story that I love, like it,
1: What is her name? Um, The girl from Uh, the 70s show. That 70s show, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: What's her character name? Lara Peppern? Google it. Yeah, I'm I'm butchering her last name.
2: I love their love story. I mean, the only other one I love, it's like maybe my parents, because those bitches are still together, and they're so gross, and they're like, we're each other's friend, best friend. I'm like, okay. But I'm very lucky to have... How long have they been married for? 43 years. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Um, and Laura Prepon.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. Laura mine. Yes. That's, so I love that love story. But, you know.
1: Um, well, I mean, so if your parents have been married for 43 years, that's definitely an impressive love story right there as well.
2: I yes. love that. They're, they're from the South, too. So they've been married since they were, like, 18. So. Wow. Yeah, my parents are pretty young, like, only, like, 63.
1: And they get along well still?
2: It's just, it's so gross. but. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys need something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Like, seriously. No, I guess you're right. But yeah, I'm just like I worry sometimes. Like, well, I hope nothing happens to one of you because they re- thats literally all they have each other. Like, they don't right. even fuck around with other friends and shit. But right. they're best friends. Yeah, yeah, they are, and that's cute. You know, I, I I I play around, but it's it's nice. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very nice.
0: I'm gonna. Ask another question if that's all right. Please. I love questions. So, so I don't know if you know this. I'm a therapist, a psychotherapist.
2: Okay. I didn't know that.
0: And I hear you on, I think, you know, while our work is different, I would imagine there's some similarities in clients coming to you and whether or not they anticipate getting, you know, quote unquote, good news, but at least help having you help them like hold and contain you know, the, the tough part of stuff, um, emotionally, life experiences, etc. And, and you were saying that's tough for you as well. And, and this is such a therapist, I kind of almost apologize in advance, like, how do you how do you manage that? Like, how do you, especially because, you know, you're talking about astrology being a bit of a map, and kind of, you know, you have all these other factors, biology, experience, you know, your, your family, where you live, all this jazz, like for you, how do you kind of help how do you handle it, kind of sharing that information with your clients and then ending the session and then, like, what's what's left?
2: Okay. I'll tell you this. If I give about three readings a day, I am completely physically drained. Like, it takes so much from me. So I limit myself to three. A day. Like, after a reading, even if it's kind of a light reading sometimes, I I use that particularly part of my brain or my heart or my psyche or my soul, whatever, I'm trained. So I have to be careful with how much I give of myself and how much I, because we as humans and, and many of us, and particularly myself and many water placement people, we take on the energies of others. So if I'm giving a reading, whatever the person's going through, I really, I take all that in all the time. But when I'm done I'm like like sometimes I have to take a nap after I give a reading because I give so much of myself and I'm taking in everything that they're giving they're saying they're feeling all that I have to be careful with how much I give of myself um but during readings I listen about 50 percent of it and then like you know then 30 percent of it is like you know talking, giving a little bit of advice. And basically what I tell most of them, they already know what's going on. They know, and they already know what to do too. They just need that support and that, that second voice to say, go on and do it. And usually that's the case. Very rarely do I have to say, don't do don't do do not that. And like I said, most of it is just listening and I'm being there and being supportive mixed in with the astrology. And letting them know, well, this is lined up and this is the area that you're associated with right now. And coming up soon, this is the uh, area that you're associated with. And it's in a good space or it's in a weird space. But nonetheless, it's going to be focusing on your home situation. It's going to be focusing on your job. It's going to be focusing on your children. Like, you know, like that.
1: Very interesting. And I could see how that could be extremely emotionally exhausting. You know, you're taking on basically a lot, having to discuss and learn and understand what someone is going through. And then also you have some sort of um, insight into what might be going on with them. That's outside of their control. Mm -hmm. It's a lot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I still like it nonetheless. Sometimes I complain. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got, you know, two readings today. And, one went over an hour, but it was interesting. And you know what's funny? During the COVID time, I have... Cl- so, a lot of my stuff is referrals. So, mm-hmm. I'll give a reading to one person, and, like, these people are calling from all over the country, guys. So, uh, I had a person from Phoenix, uh, a couple of people from California this month. Uh, my, one of my last uh, readings were this lady from Chicago, two people from Florida. So, it's, like, all over. And it's just from referrals. And uh, it's, yeah. like, my next one, I have um, this lady's father in law is calling this week because she told him about the reading. He was like, Well, I won one too. And it's funny when I'm reading <laughs> like older men, I, I used to be kind of scared to give readings to old men, but now they're some of my favorites. <laughs> like we become so buddy buddy. This last guy from Florida, he was like 70 years old. And the reading was so, it was such a good reading. He was just hurt because he had some. He had some problems with his children and everything. It just ended up being such a warm, good reading. And, you know, he was just so, I know, he was connected with me and, and it worked, you know. So I like it. I like it. That's excellent. That's awesome.
0: Do you ask information ahead of time? Like, like, do you do a birth chart or anything like that? Or do they just tell you? How does that work?
2: So when one wants a reading, I just ask for their birth time in their birthplace to do a basic chart so I can have that ready and usually this time during this uh, month or over the past couple of months uh, I just I tell them that I'm going to do the first part of the reading is kind of like a natal chart reading which means it's just a personal reading for who they are kind of and but all while we're doing it I tell them you know intervene Like, talk to me, ask questions, let's do it. I don't want to just take over the whole reading. And I don't want it to be too kooky either. So let's keep it like a conversation, you know, keep it light and and chill. You know, that's why I, you know, before COVID, I did some of my, a lot of my readings, like at a bar or coffee shop, stuff like that. But uh, technology has helped so much too. I don't even need to, you know, Zoom, I can just do Zoom readings too now.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: But I prefer I love being face to face with the person because I get so much more. Like I get so much more when I'm face to face with them. And also guys, a lot of times in my readings, I will totally ignore astrology. And I just go based off what I what I feel. And I tell like I, I sometimes if I'm reading something, I don't I don't use astrology one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, I would say eighty percent of the times I do, but sometimes I can I this because I've been doing this for like 25 plus years now. So I can now, like sometimes I'll just completely, like for instance, you, Marion, you're a Virgo. And I know that. And I know all your Virgo qualities. But if I'm, re- there's something about you. And I know you are a mom, so I'm not cheating. But even before your, your babies, I would say you have this very nurturing side that's there that can come from like, whether it's your friends or other family members. So, and that's not particularly... Uh, a Virgo trait like they're very helpful and all that but it, I wouldn't say nurturing but you have that nurturing aspect that's here so what yeah. does that, that,
1: that what do you think that comes from that kind of thing like that's just something that you can that you sense about me or do you think that that is part of something that you would find if you were to completely do my chart no like a moon sign
2: or something it, it comes from what I'm feeling from you okay yeah that's very exactly. interesting
1: well, because I want to do. Sometimes- I want to do a formal reading. Oh, let's schedule it.
2: Oh, look at that! Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Don't worry. We'll do it.
1: What do you do? Do we Venmo? I, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, I've been doing Venmos. Hell, I have to do what I can. You know. Hell, yeah. I'll take it any kind of way I can get it. But mostly it. Venmo or, or Zelle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we can Venmo or Zelle and Zoom. Venmo okay. Zelle.
2: Let's do it. I know. Me that too. Like a,
0: I, I want to get in line for this.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Especially you, because I like, you know, in terms of your job and you're being a Pisces and all that. So I like it. Let's do it. I'm okay. I fine. I really want to, I really want to read you, Kim. So, cause I, I, there's some stuff in there I'm curious about. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see. <laughs>
1: I'm excited. I hope I get to hear how it goes afterwards. You know, Kim will tell me what she's comfortable with.
2: Yeah, people, people usually talk about it, you know. But uh, when I give my readings, you know, I have to – like I had this one lady who referred her aunt, and she was like, okay, so when you talk to her, don't tell her anything. I was like, hey, babe, come on. Totally, <laughs> confident, totally confidential. I won't even tell a husband after yeah. I talk to a wife. You know, you can't do – like you can't mm-hmm. do that. It's, that's your reading. You yeah. can't do mm-hmm. it personal exactly
0: i apologize i think i started to ask this question but i probably interrupted it with another question um do people come to you ask specific questions you were talking a lot about like when you were younger, reading uh, the astrology columns in YM and in Cosmo. And I always feel like those were really focused. Also, just, I love that you brought up YM. I was (laughs) an avid YM reader. Uh, If if one could be called that, it's like a YM flipper. Like there's such little content. Um, But uh, I feel like a lot of those are like, especially Cosmo, it's like, Uh, like it's the bedside astrologer. It's always about like sex and love and Mm -hmm. romance and and elements like that. And I'm wondering when people come to you, do they sometimes have like a, like, when will I meet someone or, you know, how's this relationship going? Like, do they have more pointed questions? You find that happens a lot with, you know, I guess
2: clients. Yeah, always. And usually 50% of my readings, somehow there's some love stuff that comes up. It's usually always about a partner or my boyfriend, or will I get a boyfriend, or ha- what's going on, I'm, I'm, I'm dating this guy right now, I'm, I'm having sex with this guy right now, like tell me what's, like I'm, so it's usually 50, it's least half or more concerning like the love and the romance, usually always. And even if they, their main question is something else like money or job or career, the love stuff always sips in. So I'm always prepared and ready to talk about that or to answer that.
1: And why do you think that is? You think that people just have so little confidence in their own ability to really understand how they feel about love?
2: Well, that's part of it. And it's just really everybody break it down. You just want love. It's, right. you, just love. you want a partner. Everyone except for me, but I don't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I want it too. I'm just picky and difficult, but uh, people usually it's always about the love, a partner. and, and what's the deal with it or how is it's always that at least i'll say 60 percent of the time wow yeah yeah
1: i mean we wow. want we're we're all we're all crazy about love
2: if not love sex something should <laughs> yeah you want, you want the connection human right. connection
0: human connection right yeah and that would make sense you know if you're if you know because human they are they're humans are very social creatures they do want to connect i can yeah. see how like something like astrology which again, I, I, I'm not super well versed in, but it has that sense of connectivity, right? Like you're talking about all the stars and the planets and, and all these different pieces kind of like coming together. And, um, it just, that gives me the sense of connectivity of like how bigger beings than ourselves have influence over our paths.
2: And most people come in feeling that way and thinking that way. And like, I always break it down to them, it's really, you're your own navigator, like always. And you, it's, you're always in control. You have control over it. So when, it, when you break it down, you just have this guide that's telling you what way to go or you could go, but you're choosing it. So when you break it down, it's, it's not even that, it's not that, it's very complex and it's very many different layers, but when you break it down, it's simple. It's just basically life and you're controlling it. That's all it is. Got it. Yeah. With a little help from up there. Yes.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you have a very empowering
2: message to your clients. I try to. And I, I've been, like I said, I've been doing this a long time now and I just want people to be at a place where they're at, they're at least content, At least content. Yeah. And I'm still human too. I'm nowhere near perfect. I don't know if I use astrology. I just try to be good to people and respect people and respect nature, respect, you know, God's work and like, you know, and just be a good person. That's it. Yeah. That's all it takes. It's
0: the most important thing. People struggle
2: with it. Yeah.
0: Try to be better. That's it. I think respecting
2: one another is a good place to start there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have to do that too. You really do. It's not that, it's not that hard. No. It's not that. (sighs) A little empathy. Yes.
1: So that's wonderful. Thank you for,
2: for talking with us. Of course. Of course, guys.
1: Do you have any uh, last minute words of wisdom for our listeners?
2: Um, well, this year, guys, it's so crazy. And we still have those hurdles and those, those things that are making it hard for us and at least seemingly hard. But uh, things will lift up as we get move over to the fall. And uh, you just got to continue to be strong and use the time to learn a little bit more about yourself and use it to plan for goodness for yourself and for the ones that you love. And I think that's what all this craziness. I think that's one of the reasons why it's happening. You know, you use it, and you you can make you know a fucking garden out of this shit. You know, you can yeah. make you can be good with it. Make make something useful of it. You know, and yeah, gardens
0: I, love compost and manure. <laughs> <laughs> they love
2: shit. <laughs> that's why I love spicy's mine Look at that. So, <laughs> no, like you know, we have some more craziness, and the year it's not over. But just continue to be strong and use what you got and plan for the future, whatever that is.
0: Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you guys.
0: All right. Well, hopefully Andrew, we'll see so you much. soon.
2: Yes, you better contact yes. me. I like that. Thank yes. you. And we have a water, a fire and an earth. Earth, wind. and Oh, no, we're not a wind. We're earth, water, fire. So we have a, new <laughs> I
0: like it. I new band. Yes. <laughs>
2: Hello. All right.
1: Thank you. Well that was great, right? Kendrick,
0: thank you so much. I yes.
1: love you. Kendrick. I was love very
0: you. educated as I always am at the end of these interviews.
1: Yeah, he's really amazing. I mean, I have have been very lucky to have been able to, you know, spend some personal time with him. And we <clears throat> hang out in a similar circle, and he's it's a real treat to surprisingly get a, get a reading from him while you're also having a cocktail. Yeah, let me tell you that buy is, them in a drink a, and and <laughs> get him to get, give you a reading.
0: I reached out to him to schedule a reading. We oh, you did we good.
1: We had yeah, I haven't yet, it. but I do really want to.
0: I know that he has been very busy, but I look forward to, to getting a reading and hearing a little bit about hopefully some very good positive things. I it was very I've really reflected on on actually after our interview thinking about how he was talking about if he has like 3 sessions in mm-hmm. a day, he has to take a nap, he's so wiped out because he's just giving so much uh, so much of himself to his clients, which really shows how dedicated he is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how hard he's working in these sessions. 100%. Kendrick, you're a good man.
1: You're a wonderful wonderful man. So, Kim,
0: what are you crushing on? Oh, shoot. Not prepared. Uh, Oh Okay. Okay. Totally, totally small, lovely win. Uh, The temps have dropped uh, just enough that we're, like, savoring that wonderful fall weather. And I have an awesome new jean jacket I bought in the springtime. And I think I wore it once. Mm
1: -hmm. And then it
0: was too warm. And I have a love for jean jackets. I have too many. But this one is like one of those like it's like quilted, it's a little warm. It has like the Sherpa Sure, color. yeah. Yeah. You love and that. So I finally get to wear it. And um tomorrow actually is my wedding anniversary. And Congratulations. It's uh we're going out to eat, which is something that I have not done since quarantine. And since it will be outside, I will probably be wearing at a very nice restaurant my <laughs> my G jacket which I'm very excited about or my leather jackets like I'm excited to break out all the jackets again so that's what I'm crushing on it's jacket season yeah jacket season loving it and then going out to eat to celebrate uh what is um eight years
1: yeah that's spectacular congratulations it was a wonderful wedding a wonderful wedding I was there
0: (laughs) and so tell me what are you crushing on (laughs)
1: Um yeah, I'm oh you know what I'm crushing on? Hello. I'm crushing on our dear friend Natalie Joachim's black bean sauce pois recipe from that she shared on NPR in the early days of the pandemic to help people get through with some the comfort
0: food?
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, I make this on it has become a staple for me. And I love it so much. And this week, I, she insists, we, because we talk about it a lot, she insists that I'm doing something, like, a little bit off because I always have a lot more black bean husk at the end of the... The sauce always comes out perfect, and she, she agrees from the pictures that it tastes good, and I keep on making it. Anyway, but I have a little bit more of this husk at the end that's reserved because you sort of have to, like, grind the beans mm. through a strainer to get it to be really, really smooth. And it's, like, so silky smooth and spectacular. But I always feel like I'm throwing away what something that could be used for something really great. Mm-hmm. So I made black bean burgers with it. <gasps> Me and Brilliant. my husband did. And mm-hmm. they were so fucking good.
0: Oh, that's great. That's
1: yes, awesome. Yeah, do it. Make it really good, both both things really good. The saucepaw, and then afterwards black bean burgers. Sorry, Natalie. I know. Maybe you won't. Maybe you won't have enough. Actually, maybe you'll do it
0: properly. Maybe I'll know how. Maybe I'll know how to make it correctly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if it's the brand of black beans that you're using. I mean, I don't know. Dried or canned
1: dried according to her you can only use dried and we have a 50 pound bag of dried black beans because okay. my husband prepared for the apocalypse and that was one of the ways in which he prepared so
0: I love we can never have enough black beans in our house
1: no and the girls love them too
0: we cook okay. ours with coconut milk a lot
1: that's how I make this with coconut milk ooh I gotta get on yeah. it yeah it's not in the recipe uh, though
0: I well I that's that I think that that's we're starting to admit here that <laughs>
1: where you're deterring. <laughs> yeah. Well no, but that comes after. Anyway, you look at it. Natalie's recipe doesn't need no. any any mods. But I um I, I like to cook, so I like to I like yeah. to throw some some of my I own like the way self you cook. into it. <laughs> I like the way you cook. <laughs> anyway, Natalie, love you always. And Kim, love you always. Oh, thanks. And I love
0: you as well. And I love doing this. I, I so I sent Marion a text earlier today and I just said You know, I'm not gonna. I don't. I could find it and read it aloud, but that would be dumb and take too long. But the gist of it was, thank God that my job right now is just to sit and read love stories because I think that's all I can tolerate in this moment. And it was really joyful. I was like, oh, you know what I have to do for work, work. A little bit of air quotes there, but uh, for for my task, for my responsibilities as a podcaster, I get to sit here and read about a really lovely true life love story and watch a documentary on it and it's true the glances marty's face when ruth talks about him in that one i don't even know once a speech from like the 90s maybe it's when she's being like uh signed in for
1: yes yeah i think so the, uh
0: and he's just like he's like almost bashful
1: oh the one about- where oh where she says something about him and he's like
0: yeah it's uh, so it's so sweet like they just they truly love each other and he supports her and she loves and supports him. and it it's just fantastic. And I'm like, you know what if this is if this is uh, the quote unquote hard work of the day, I welcome it. I hope we all I hope we all can find some hard work of the day that involves reveling in in love and joy and commitment to each other. So
1: oh, and we started a new segment this week, that's right. Spread the love where we share love stories that are shared with us or love stories that have been shared with us that we have asked. We're um, collecting. We're yeah, love stories. To share. Yep. So, First
0: account love stories. Super
1: There's some excited good about ones. That. There are.
0: And if you, so if you have a love story you want to share it, I mean, I've had friends that just have texted to me or have posted in our instagram accounts or we have an email you could send it, doesn't us email. it doesn't have to be formal
1: it doesn't have to be long we will if you don't feel comfortable if you're not a storyteller we'll figure out how to tell it share it with us i mean you got nothing te- to lose
0: technically i think you could tell us your story in three sentences that's a beginning middle and end yeah. you could do that i believe in you also if you're concerned we can change i already have a friend who's asked me to to change the name so i get to name her and her her paramour
1: That's fun. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. Mm, Hmm. schnickola. (laughs)
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. Good night. Good morning. Oh, crushers. We love you so. Yes. Have a fantastic day. Yeah. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Go get them, team. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Stopping. Thanks for tuning in. You've heard from us, and we'd love to hear from you. Do you have a love story to share? Looking for some advice at the love variety? Reach out on email, morethanacrushpodcast at gmail.com, and find us on Instagram. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Special thank you to Natalie Joachim, who composed our theme music. We're so appreciative, Natalie.
1: Thank you. We love you.